All right, welcome to the Pitch Stack episode 13. That's episode 14 in hotel episodes. Uh, <laughs> Matt, how are you doing this week? We're doing good. We finally oh, have excellent. all the uprising spoilers. So We do. This is the um, uh, theory crafting week. Oh, 100%. It is theory crafting week. And my theory is that all these cards suck and we can just keep playing with the old cards. Uh, that's <laughs> not true. Um, a lot of these cards are really good. Some of them especially good. Uh, I'm excited for them. But before we get into it, we have our weekly daggering. Yes, we this do. And it's payback time. Yeah, this time I will be getting stabbed live on air. Though I can't just be the guy with all the answers. Though I do predict it, it won't be as uh, I do predict it won't be as uh, troublesome as our last question. That's fair. We're, we tightened it up. We workshopped it a little bit. All right, Matt, what do you have for me this week? So active player plays an imposing visage or visage. Guardian action says search your deck for an aura card cost X or less. Put it into the arena, then shuffle. Go again. So well, there's a new card, actually, that this uh, rules question references, and that card's fogged down. It's a generic non-attack action uh, aura card and uh, it costs three so if we're going to search for this with imposing visage it would cost us three more mana so we pay six resources and we search out a fog down fog down says non-attack action cards lose and can't gain go again at the beginning of your action phase destroy fog down so we ca- we cast an imposing visage searching for a fog down an imposing visage has go again. Do we get go again or do we not get go again? Oh, that's interesting. So I'm going to say that Fog Down enters the arena as part of Imposing Visage resolving. And because go again is checked in the link step, even though these are non-attack actions, I'd imagine go again is attack is checked very last. So we do lose it and we end up paying six mana just to throw a fog down into effect and lose go again. I believe that's correct. I I don't know if it's correct, but I believe it's correct because I heard it somewhere. But I am inclined to believe that that's true. Uh, I know for a fact, like I, I do have to like sit down and reread the comp rules, but I do know for a fact that... Um, Go again is the very last thing checked for attack actions because, like, if it's on the chain, you have chain link steps yeah. uh, with attack actions. So mm-hmm. it would make a lot of sense to me for non-attack actions, even though they're not linked together in the chain, to check in a very similar way. So that is my guess. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, and I'm pretty sure it does resolve that way. Nice. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Kind of a funky interaction, though, because this seems kind of like the kind of card you would want to search for, right? And this also seems like a kind of card you would want to run in an aura-style uh, guardian deck, perhaps, if uh, you're looking to control your opponent's uh, turn. It's also weird, though, too, right? Um, because there are not... Uh, I mean, is that the only generic aura? Like, off the top of my head, I can't really think of any other ones. Oh, there are plenty of generic auras. Well, that's what uh, happens when you don't read card types. Uh, and you just <laughs> well, there, there's a new one, Sigil of Protection. I mean, you oh, have yeah. um, 
the one from Arcane Rising. Jeez, uh, what's the name? Is it uh, it's the one that uh, prevents damage. Uh, Enchanting Melody. And oh, uh, yeah, you also I knew there have was one in my bulk box. The super from Arcane Rising. That's a super sleeper card uh, that turns oh. off like blocking and pitching. If you name a you name a card, chains I of elements. Yeah, I literally have one of those in my hand as we speak. Oh yeah, that's a it's a little sleeper card right there, fellows. If uh, it is, you can tutor you it for some, just three. Yeah, but oh, just in general, I'm I'm not particularly uh, expecting a guardian to use his uh, visage to tutor for that, but I think it might be pretty good in decks that care about non-attack actions being played. Yeah, that's fair. I actually have a foil chains of eminence in my hand. Yeah. Uh, that's 23 cents. Yep. Get buy it now, right guys. There. This is not uh this is not a uh financial advice, but just buy like a hundred copies. <laughs> buy a thousand. Um it's the new Aether Eyes. Well, Matt, that was a very nice daily dagger. And actually, yeah, I did just look uh I did just look it up real quick. That is confirmed that you do in fact lose go again. Hell yeah. Uh, with bog down. So nice. Nice daggering. Um but you counter. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> the counter. Super annoying question. You're playing. Pit, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're playing um, Fab Arena. You have Illusionist Guardian. You pitched. Oh, no. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I honestly believe, like, you know, we're going to get to it one day. We're going to get to it one day. We will. I promise. It's just. That's the future of like these uh, insane interactions is crossing the streams that were never meant to be crossed. Guardian crossing and illusions that were never meant to be crossed. Um, Coming to a theater near you. <laughs> the intro. Uh, <laughs> yes, so the intro. That's what's coming. You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. All right, and we're back from the intro. Now, before we get into the theory crafting, the spoilers, the magical Christmas land that exists in all of our hearts before the real metagame is revealed, let's um, take a look at the old metagame here as ProQuest season is officially over. That's right. You're finally free. Um, no Matt, more Starbo or Shane. No more Starbo. Starbo's dead. Uh, he's got to go back to stopping the show. Um, and Shane has been banished. Uh, so That's, that was actually great. Totally unplanned. <laughs> I don't know if you had planned to say that. That was amazing, though. No. Yeah. Sometimes I. Sometimes you know, it's all just jazz, man. It's all <laughs> jazz. I don't know. Uh, so Matt, it's over. Uh, what what do you think if you had to wrap up this ProQuest season? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Misery. <laughs> <laughs> <The gen> <laughs> uh, for for me as a Viseride player, but uh, no, I think that uh, Starvo had a good showing. He came, he saw, and he left. 
He came, he saw, he dominated. I think Shane <laughs> uh, has to retire. He's been he's, he's been uh, an oldie of the game for a while. It's actually been about a year, I'd say. Uh, he his his reign lasted, uh, you know, as far as from when he was released to when uh, he got released, got all his living legend points exactly a year about a little over. But uh, as far as he was competitively viable, last RTN season was like the big uh, competitive uh, scene in which he made his nasty debut sporting Absolutely. seeds of agonies uh but that was a little under a year ago when i started playing the game and uh now shane has finally like you said has been banished and we will <laughs> see him in the future whenever uh, living legend format comes out but uh yeah the two of those heroes made an insane uh showing this pro quest season making Absolutely. over 50 percent of the entire meta game i think combined if I'm not mistaken, yeah. like even just if you go by winning numbers, like they crushed it. They were like nearly, nearly 60 percent. Yeah. It's pretty it's close incredible. to that. I mean, I, I mean, Prism was the third most popular deck and she just um, really wasn't even there. Let's see if we look at the numbers and this is just from the last week alone. Uh, so this is the last week when people were trying out new stuff, but them combined is a little bit less than 35%, which is crazy, though, considering we have one, two, three, four. I'm not going to count this. Roughly 15 heroes in the meta. So, yeah, that's nuts. Just two of them. Exactly. And followed Prism is a lot closer in her representation to Briar than she is to the next runner up, which would be Shane. Yeah. Uh, I th- actually, you know, it's very close, actually. She's very smack dab in between Briar and Shane's representation. Which I guess makes sense. You know, Briar uh, nerfed extremely hard, but was still a little bit relevant. But I think going into this metagame, there were absolutely three tier one decks uh, and then one or two 1.5 decks. I think that's yes, just how it turned out. Absolutely. So I don't know. I'm glad it's over. Uh I feel like I have played against Starvo more times than I've played against any other deck in yes. any other trading card game I've ever played in my life. Uh, actually, I feel like I personally, it feels that way for you because you play Prism, but I've played more against <laughs> Prism than I have Starvo or any other hero. And I think that just says something about Prism players being super committed to Prism. Yeah, I mean, we like golden books, you know, it's those uh, definitely the The golden locks. I mean, books. Exactly. So, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The win conversion for these heroes actually is very. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I've seen that is that um, Bravo actually Starvo actually outdone outdid uh, Shane in the win conversion. Yeah, I mean, what Starvo was at 35 percent win conversion and then. uh well, I guess that was more the winning metagame. Uh, but Starvo, what, 11.7? So you had a 1 in 8 chance of winning your pro quest if you showed up with Starvo. With Starvo. Yeah, exactly. And a nearly 1 in 8 chance. Well, nearly 1 in uh, 8 chance. A little bit less than that for Shane. Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Prism was at 6.61. And I think it's interesting to me to see Briar at near Prism levels. And then Bravo Showstopper at a 
extremely high win conversion percentage. But I think that's also because it's such a small sample size of people yeah. that that uh, showed up with stop Vo, which is what I'm going to start calling them. Stop Vo, stop the Vo. Exactly. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's ProQuest was interesting. Too much Starvo, too much Prism, too much Shane. Hopefully that all stops soon. Uh, we Absolutely. know that those two are leaving, but Prism is going to be still around at least as far as Pro Tour Lele goes. But uh, if uh, she manages to still be a threat in the metagame for that Pro Tour, I suspect that she will be going away. Yeah, I I agree. Especially, I mean, looking at these spoilers, it looks to me like Prism is going nowhere. Um, yeah, not except for the Hall of Legends. Yeah, she she actually got a massive buff. Um, some people have been had mixed feelings about some of the cards spoiled here. Uh, it's only solidified my thoughts of uh, how strong uh, Prism is slated to be right now. Yeah, so it's uh, t- yeah, so like as somebody that reviles Prism is on the end of a lot of terrible Prism effects. Um, like, what do you think about like these upgrades? I mean, I think ghostly touch is interesting. I don't necessarily think it's better than the, or at least at this moment, I don't think it's necessarily better than the, uh, like having the wild card slot for prisms hands. But, um, I think, uh, ghostly touch is not going to come in in every matchup, but I also think that it's going to be there most of the time. Cause the thing is the, um, the the versatility of that slot used to exist there for really dealing with Shane, like the arcane damage and viscerai and the starvo blocking, right? But now neither of those things are a problem. The viscerai may continue to try to push the uh, fringes of the meta occasionally, and you know that's going to be true at least locally, as far as I'm breathing air. Um, <laughs> yeah, I may try to dabble a little a little bit in Icelander and Fey, but. You know my where my heart belongs. Uh, but I think Ghostly Touch is like an insane at like late game, like just value engine. Um, it's going to be very difficult to actually break Ghostly Touch as far as Phantasm goes, because we're talking about late game and hopefully Prism has a passing Mirage in play. And then at that point, it's like you lead every turn with this Ghostly Touch. Yeah. And absolutely. Uh, you just come through with a say this thing's got like six ghost counters or whatever on it. You remove a ghost counter coming through for five. Go again for for a blue pitch. Right. And it's a repeatable effect. But also, mind you, this has to be in play when you're going to be going up against a deck with a lot of phantasm poppers. So that's my only quarrel with the card is that this is going to be where you think you need to um, sort of stash up an advantage against the decks that have poppers, but also where you don't need a two-block arm slot. And I don't know exactly what matchup that is going to be, so I'm actually more convinced this is a lot more of a sideboard card now that I've, that I've been reading it and talking about it more. Yeah, it's interesting. It sits in a really bizarre spot. Um, as a Prism player, though, looking at the new Prism spoilers, I uh, 
or well, illusionist spoilers rather. I've got to say that the card I am most excited about coming into Uprising is Semblance. I think oh, that God, card yes. is so sneakily good. Um, there's nothing like, and so okay, so one of the reasons. So let me talk about this Semblance card a little bit because. On the whole, it doesn't look as good as it is in practicality. Uh, You're looking at a blue pitch. It costs three resources for an illusionist instant. And what it does is it negates all phantasm triggered effects of target illusionist attack you control. The attack loses and can't gain phantasm. Now, where this card is amazing is uh, once your opponent is convinced they have popped phantasm, it ends up being that they very severely underblocked, and now you can get your on-hit effects. Yes. Specifically with Erudition. Yes. Uh, yes. Sure. Yeah, this yeah, is why Prism's a... Living Legend. Um, <laughs> well, you know, simple. it's funny is that she's always she was always capable of something like that before uh, with the Crown of Reflections. That is true. I don't know if uh, anyone has made many of those plays before, but you can sneak in a little passing mirage in response to phantasm triggers. That's true. You have to. It does specifically only affect your first attack, regardless of like which one it sees as your first attack. Yes, correct. It looks back in time at the first attack. So I think like obviously that's a thing you can do, right? You pay one resource. You sacrifice an aura you control. You bring in uh, Passing Mirage. But I feel like this has significantly less conditions to fill where you just need to have oh, three yeah, resources in this card in hand. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it so good. Not hard. I mean, no, usually you're only pitching one yellow to play the Erudition or whatever uh, Herald you're playing. And then you have two, two, or two other cards in hand or three if you've played a card out of Arsenal. Uh, usually two other cards in hand, and then you go ahead and pitch and play that semblance, and then you get a hit and refill your hand. Oh, it's so gross. And you're already playing so many blue auras. Like, I think this is a card in Prism that anytime you draw it, you arsenal it immediately. Um, yeah, arsenal's a good spot for it. But I do I do caution the the blue pitch of it, you know, so it's going to have to find a slot in the deck without eating up your yellows yeah i think it ends up taking so this is gonna sound like absolute heresy uh but i think you end up dropping shimmers of silver for this uh i wouldn't say that's heresy but i that makes sense to me because and and i'd like to guess where you're going with this and that's the pivoting from your great aura yes (laughs) between your aura and the herald game plan yeah yeah, I think that's exactly it. Is like you um you still you're still playing Prism in your traditional way, but I think because you are getting rid of Phantasm, not only are you getting through the chip damage you would with a uh Shimmer of Silver, which usually ends up netting you two, three extra damage over the course of it existing at the cost of your action point. Um this, I think, ends up netting you a little bit more damage. It ends up netting you probably roughly the same amount of damage, with the difference being that it grants you an on-hit effect. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the rest of the legendaries in this set are 
pretty strong, but I feel like there's a bit of a pattern, in my opinion, to the abilities and the viability of them. I think some of them represent a slot that doesn't exist for that class yet, right? It's far That's as the, ra- the rarity, but also in that they're very con- they're very like conditional, like sideboard pieces, right? Um, hmm. And something I did uh, realize is that uh, I, re- I realized a couple days ago is that um, I, I it, it could almost be said that it's kind of like expected. So, like, I don't take, like, too much credit for guessing this as well. But I did guess actually pretty accurately which uh, legendary slots were missing and where they would go for each class. Yeah, absolutely. In our last podcast. Uh, the last episode, I said that uh, Illusionist definitely needs hands and more than likely will get hands over anything else. Uh, and that Ninja probably will get a new set of arms as well to replace breaking scales. And that's exactly what happened. Tiger Stripe Shuko is actually what uh, we got for Ninja. It's yeah. pretty sick. I, um, and it's interesting too, because I was also correct, uh, <laughs> is that uh, they, did ma- they did mirror the commons, uh, the yes. common armor. So that's interesting. I wonder if that's a pattern we are going to see from here on out. Yeah, that, that's probably likely to be the case. And also, they don't—I don't think they overlap with uh, the generics either. Or they—if they do, there's at least uh, other generics in the rest of the slots, so that you can have your uh, common equipment and then the uh, generics in the other slots. Yeah, but that's interesting that you didn't point that out. I guess I wonder if that's like to have a budget option, so it's not like this game's expensive, which is what happens. <laughs> um, I don't know. I dig it, though. So, all right. So that's one specific card I'm looking at. It, heroes that... So I, I guess, like, the other thing I've been looking at, right, is heroes that could get better, uh, you know, before we really dig into, like, Jermai, Fey, and Icelander. For sure. Uh, so one other card, really, just looking at stuff, stuck out at me. And I think this would have been really great for three heroes, but it's only good for two uh, currently. And that is Sift. I feel like Sift is a phenomenal card. I know in the pre-show we were talking about it, you mentioned it to me. This card is really, 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 really good. uh, I had like a total genuine reaction because I hadn't seen the card literally until like 30 minutes ago. And uh, I read it. I'm like, no fucking way. And I'm like, blue? (laughs) is the best like okay so non-attack action with gogan blocks for three is a blue and lets you filter two cards for two new cards what cost zero the red one lets you do your whole hand okay who cares some card in your hand has to be decent right and then the other one can just be pitch so if you have a brick tan sift out of your arsenal change those cards go again and if you don't need to do that and it's in your hand, it blocks for three. Also, this block, this pitches for three. This card's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really good. Now, the question, where does it get played? I think mostly the rune blades. Because they care about the non-attack action. Yeah. We're not I talking think, about yeah, Shane. Because he's not straight into the rune blades. Yeah, I Shane's think that's not 100% where you go it. 
But Briar and Viserai are definitely going to find some homes to try to test out Sift. Maybe more Briar. Viserai really, really cares that you play cards that are purple. Um, he doesn't like the gold cards that much. Um, but yeah, Briar for sure is going to see some uh, Sift playing. Oh, 100%. That's if Briar's still viable with all these Frostbite tokens. Well, it's going to be all right. I think she's at least going to be playable. Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, that's yet to be seen. But uh, I don't think it's going to be that much of a... Uh, I don't think it's going to be that dreadful for her. Yeah, I think you're right. So there is another generic I want to talk about, and it's... It's really interesting. Um, it's a rare, it's in a bizarre design space, and I think that's why I like it so much. Uh, but that's Fyandal's Fighting Spirit. Oh, uh, yeah. This is a, uh, so the red one specifically is a three cost, seven attack, two defense. When you attack or defend with Fyandal's Fighting Spirit, if you have less health than an opposing hero, gain one health. Dude, I, I just want to say, Whoever at whoever at LSS is designing like the cards and their effects that exist without being actually played, like bravo to you. Cheers to you. I love any card effect that just does things passively. Absolutely. Right? Without having to pay for the effect, you just like, you know, like dredge in magic as an example. Like it's just an effect that exists that generates value. You didn't have to cast a spell and you didn't have to, you know, activate an ability. You just took that card instead of drawing and you milled. And then if that advances your game plan, that's excellent. This is a little bit on a lower level, like on a smaller scale of dredge, of course, because that's like an insane mechanic. But being able to <laughs> block with it this was card. A mistake. <laughs> it, but, you know, the thing is, like, if this, it would be... It, it it really is not like for a generic that's a common for that's a, for a generic that's a rare with like great stats. Uh, it blocks for two, which is what's expected of these kinds of cards. But this, if you're behind, will gain you actual life, and your opponent can't actually calculate like and play around that life total number if they're trying to like whittle you down right there at the very end. Right, if you have this card, yeah. you're still surviving. That's why it's Findel's Fighting Spirit, and you can gain a little life as you're blocking with these cards. I don't know. I just like that being able to get effects like Pack Call, right? I was super high on Pack Call from the Reinhardt First Story deck because you got an effect just for blocking. Absolutely, and that's like one of my my favorite uh, generic in this set is one of those cards as well. But it's more of a trigger. But it's uh, we could talk about it after Findel's Fighting Spirit, but. Yeah, this is uh this one's insane. I really like it. It's also a prism phantasm popper or a, a phantasm popper in general. Exactly. Well, here, yeah, walk it. Yeah, walk us through it. Yeah, definitely good stuff. Um, but my favorite majestic uh, generic card in this, uh, besides uh, a race face, because that card's cool, uh, is actually all that that all you got. Oh yes. Yeah, this so card. that card, <laughs> that is a card. Um, so it's a yellow pitch, uh, zero cost uh, generic defense reaction that blocks for three. Doesn't sound great, but it says while it is defending an attack with two or less power when the combat chain closes, draw a card. 
Yeah. Wow. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, that's insane. I think that card's insane. A staple. Like, it is, I think it's a staple, like, for most decks. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's so weird, too, because it just lets your opponent just does something harmless and then it just blows up in their face. I think that's what I love about it. Because <laughs> it's such a it's great so trap. Good. It's like, well, I, it's like, well, I did nothing and you also got to replace the card. I guess I'll swing with my shimmers silver, put the counter on shimmers. Yeah, Boom, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal. Here's a, here's a shield. Oh, I have to use a card to block it. Oh, reaction oh i refill my hand cool <laughs> just and it's also cool because like i don't know it's so great because you get to dig it out of your arsenal and draw a card which is just ridiculous oh man and it's five only cards when the hand. chain yes. closes too because you you also have opportunities yeah i should the chain close and reopen yeah it's so good yeah it's, it's uh, so good it's 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 up there man that card is uh bonkers man um I think that uh, I think that this card is going to find its way into most uh, non-Guardian uh, decks and perhaps even Guardian decks, to be honest. Yeah. It's a yellow pitch, too, so it's definitely something to consider for Prism. Oh, absolutely, um, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Especially in a world where... Uh, so Prism has a very bad ninja matchup, and I've got to imagine that's going to get worse with Faye. Um, so the, uh, or Fi, we'll figure that out uh, in post. But the, uh, the idea of being able to draw that extra card in Prism, uh, especially when you're running so many auras, to have five in hand and be able to block chip damage coming through so you can survive a little bit longer to expand your board state. Um, I personally like it better than the hand fixing in Sink Below or in Fate Foreseen uh, in exchange for that extra damage. Oh, yeah. For sure, yeah, for sure. It's hot. It's real it's hot. super good. Yeah, this card's good. And even, and even in, in a worst-case scenario, you're blocking for three, you know, with minor downside. Like, you know, there's, there's like no downside, actually. It's just a yellow defense reaction. It's on par. Yeah. Right? It's not like it says block for two for yellow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's so gross. I don't know. That, that card is really good. I One of the things that worries me about this set, right, is there's just so many new design spaces being explored that something's got to break, right? Do you, do you feel the same way? Yes. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I really like it. Um, it's interesting. There's um erased face, which is like sleep dart on steroids. Um and then there's like Vipox, there's that all you got, fog down, and like all these weird card effects that care when you block and then you do a thing, you gain some life. Flex lets you pay two and gives it power. Brother in arms lets you give it defense. <laughs> flex, you know? Red flex is so good. It like yeah. it just turns into a popper if you want. Absolutely. That one's that one's really good. Um, you know, and Brother of Arms is like kind of like a uh, uh, kind of like uh, rally the rear guard, but it blocks for four, not three, not five. Yeah, but it cares more if you already have re it's better when you already have resource floating. So against like 
arcane hybrid decks or uh, in a deck with crown. Yeah, that's true. Not that you play a, these like common generics in there, but you know, it's it's a thing to consider. It's weird because it's like a one cost attack react. Like you, Brothers in Arms is actually a really fascinating card just from a game design perspective. Uh, where it's like a one cost attack react in line with the four cost attack reacts or the zero cost four block attack reacts. Yeah. Um, but you just pay one for it because you can also attack with that card. And that's just, oh, it's so cool. And then the, and the attack cost is two. Yes. Which is interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Which was, this is why I keep looking. That's why I read, I look at this card and I think crown. Yeah, that's why I that's why I kind of like is like because the two cost always makes me think of crown paying one to leftover pay this play this card. Not like that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying this is good in Guardian. It just it reminds me of Guardian play pattern. Um, it's also interesting. We got Scar for Scar reprint. That's interested me the most. Yes. Uh, which is interesting. I guess they just saw in the limited environment they needed something to get momentum swings back, is what I would imagine. Because uh, it is such a good limited momentum swing. Absolutely. Those are the worst moments when you feel like you're definitely ahead and it's going to be hard for them to turn the tides around with just a card in Arsenal and a single action point and two cards in hand. And then all of a sudden you're facing down a scarf scar and a weapon swing. You're like, oops. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> Them's the breaks. Absolutely. I um going beyond generics though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We could talk about generics all day because these are applicable everywhere. Absolutely. Uh something I thought was very interesting is um oh it's so weird. But Tome of Duplicity is a card that I feel is worth talking about because yeah. it is a strictly better Kano activation. It does cost you an additional card. It does cost you an additional card, but when has that mattered? Well, Kano. a lot, but the fact that you get to search a little deeper before actually banishing one of those cards right yeah it's like it's, it's 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 like uh getting to banish the top two cards for the, at the same rate right but only playing one of them i think this i don't really think this is a kano card i think this is icelander's best card i think it's a icelander uh imitation of kano that's fair. I mean, it's being a, able to do this on your opponent's turn, choose to banish, throw it in at an instant. I, it's like it's so good. Obviously, like I see exactly what you're saying with the imitation of Kano, and that's 100 percent correct. Um, but it just oh, man, the Icelander control game plan is so there with this card. This card is so good. Um, and it's so weird because like when I first saw it, I wasn't all that excited. And really, when I look at all these wizard cards, um, I'm not really uh, not really all that excited to uh, run any of them in Kano. I think that's what's really bizarre. Hmm. That's interesting. 
Um, I feel like Kano's definitely has played some of these cards to some degree. Probably Singe. Um, Singe probably sees some play. Or uh, Aether Dart as a like just strictly better uh, zap. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It, it gives you more flexibility on targets. Yeah. Let's target uh, dragons and allies and bears and lions and <laughs> what's the rest of that? I don't know. But yeah, I no, know. Um, definitely better zap. Singe I think, seems uh, playable as well. Yeah, Singe definitely seems playable. Um, I don't know. It, it's weird, though. I feel like nothing immediately is like, oh, okay, like maybe now Kano is significantly more viable in CC. I, I didn't get that at all. Interesting. I don't know. Um, There's something I am thinking about. Okay, yeah, never mind. I was uh, just thinking about the text on the arcane damage buffing effects like wildfire and flare. Yeah, I was just double checking that those said target opposing hero and they do. They do. Um, ooh, oh, I see. I see. see I'm, I'm, I'm just double checking. Bec- yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they are they're wise they they knew what they were doing they definitely have worded things correctly they are wise <laughs> they are wise <laughs> but uh yeah no i was just checking to see if you can do some like messed up stuff where like dromai just randomly has like the worst matchup ever into like kano because he gets all his free arcane damage on hits on his on her allies and then just randomly is like fireballs her out of nowhere <laughs> she can't defend it yeah yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah. So luckily, that's not happening. Yeah, that's not the case. Wizard finally got some upgraded robes. Which is the robe is very interesting, right? I, this is the design space of this robe is very bizarre. The Alluvion Constella, as I will say. I know that's not how you say it, but it's It's fun. definitely how you say it. Just based on exactly how you pronounced it. It's definitely how you exactly. Uh, It's weird, though, right? Um, Because it's not great in a lot of like, I mean, I think you still run uh, spring tunic 80, 90 percent of the time. But my goodness, if you can trick somebody into dealing arcane damage to you. If this isn't just the card. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a a Runeblade counter. This yeah. is uh, the solution to Runeblade matchups, to be honest. I think uh, any wizard just kind of uh, takes a steamy dump on Visrai and uh, <laughs> Briar now with this card. Absolutely. I, the card's a little slow. It's so weird, right? They printed this at Legendary, and maybe this just speaks to like my lack of testing or playing wizard in general. But I was like, this card, like, obviously does something really cool for Icelander. Absolutely. Yeah. Very clearly Um, pointing towards her equipment options. Uh, And it's funny that the waning moon, the token weapon for Icelander in the set, as opposed to uh, as opposed to Kraken Aethervane from the last one, it seems to be the stronger one. Yes. The uh, the just straight damage coming from Waning Moon, I am a big fan of. It makes more sense to the 
<laughs> to me to just go for the face. Yeah, I mean, you can turn a uh, a scalding rain and a blue pitch into a bunch of damage. Eight damage, actually. Yeah, it's more it's than crazy. uh more than a blue uh crucible and a uh, voltage bolt ever could hope to do. The um yeah, I dig it. I it's weird. I uh, I don't know. I think I think that's what's throwing me off so much is the design space. Or wizard has been so uh so specifically um i don't know it's been so specifically icelander going into this set so maybe they're trying to get away from that like solitaire game that happens with kano uh, as yeah. a play experience it's hard to say it's it, i think that's what icelanders uh and like supposed to be essentially is that move away from that and um and it's also kind of like as far as like alluvian goes um it's it's also like i said earlier these legendaries are very matchup specific it seems they're not going to replace the staples that we've seen for a long time yeah but it is interesting to see that uh they're trying to expand the play space of like certain uh heroes or classes rather which is good i, I like that you know it's not like uh, Kano really wants to play Constaeas. I don't think he's ever going to really touch that. Because uh, if anything, he could just use his uh, robe that adds three generic, three resources and already has Arcane Barrier on it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably just better uh, on the turn you want to pop off. Because reducing your over-reducing Crucible by like two is not helpful. Yeah, cost that's very fair. Uh, definitely more of a Kraken Aether Vein card. Or waning moon card, for sure. Yeah, and uh, no, I think that makes sense. If anything, I you know, it's play actually more wizard. Yeah, wizard's interesting. It's worth playing just to learn like the play patterns and the style and stuff. You know, it's, I, it's um, definitely worth learning to play. I have like a fully like I have all the wizard stuff. Like I used to play it like in kitchen table just because it was goofy and I liked to show people goofy decks. Um, and uh, I don't know, like I have all of it. So maybe maybe this becomes the wizard season for me. Uh, so we'll find out. We'll That'd find out if I turn into a wizard. You know, it's something interesting. I've heard some like rumblings of like Spellfire Cloak, the generic. Spellfire Cloak. The yeah, generic. I've heard some rumblings of this card just being better than Tunic. Wizard. All right, here, hang on. I have my bulk in front of me. We need to look at this. Well, I wouldn't say better, but it's like it's more. Um, it's a great budget option, I would say. Uh, Spellfire Cloak is in uh, Uprising, by the way. Um, that would explain why it's not in my bulk. Yeah, box. when you said you're um, looking through your bulk, I'm like, whoa! Did you go to what Vegas? card was I thinking of? Uh, I don't know. There's the there's the other red cloak that is a generic, but like you're supposed to draft it as a wizard in Arcane Rising. It's not important. It's not important. <laughs> we don't need to think about it right now. But this Spellfire Cloak will go on for years. Spellfire Cloak says destroy it, gain one resource, activate this only on an opponent's turn. And Arcane Barrier 1. So it's instant gratification if you can get those setup items out quick. And uh, you don't have to wait an extra turn for that resource. Just kind of go crack it on your opponent's turn. Let's uh, get this uh, shouldn't it going, you know? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that a lot. No time like the present. However, yeah. it does become a lot worse in your slower matchups uh, where you're going to be blocking a little bit more using your tunic resource uh, for just getting some chip damage in. It's definitely not, and it doesn't block at all. It doesn't have blade break or anything. So it's, it wouldn't say it's better than tunic at all, but uh, it is not a budget option that you should scoff at because it's uh no not real. at all it's very I, real depending on how aggressive you are with kano too like maybe in blitz this is better for kano than tunic it's that's interesting that makes the most sense to me um yeah i i dig that I this card actually the design space of this card is really interesting for just a like a generic I don't want to say token equipment but I guess common equipment's the word I'm looking for um mm-hmm. it's I don't know it's it's interesting because it does so much like especially with the arcane barrier as well and then um I don't know with wizard how many times to- okay ma- all right yeah here's how I'll phrase this with Wizard and with Kano, how many times are you going to get to turn six? Hmm. Because that's when Tunic becomes better than this. It depends. Um, I've certainly done it. Uh, I wouldn't be able to answer accurately. Not I have not been playing Wizard regularly, so I'm not really sure. None of us have. But I think, honestly, that most games do not go to six turns but when yeah, you do go to my six turns it matters because you end up blocking with tunic at some point to save your your life total you end up going to that one at that, that point you know um which then of course again when does that uh when does that blocking or not blocking with it matter or the not having or having the resource matter right so i don't know it's it's a uh, it, it like I said, it's more of a budget option. I, I don't know if I'd ever played over tunic and like CC, but uh, in Blitz, it's it's not a terrible consideration. Yeah, not at all. I mean, Blitz, you're never going to get turn six. If you get to turn six as a wizard and Blitz, there's no way you're still alive. Yeah, don't see that happening very often. And. Uh, you know, moving down the line of equipment. Uh, Tiger Stripe Shuko is a little interesting for uh, Ninja, if you've read this yet. I So I've read it and I couldn't tell you what it does. I, yeah, um, no, it's a bit, it, it's not as simple as having an activated, having an activated ability, but uh, the second attack action card would cost two or less base power. Uh, with two or less base power, you play each turn has plus one power and damage that would be dealt by this can't be prevented. That's not bad. Uh, now, the first thing I thought of, of. Yeah. The first thing I thought of was actually like steadfast or something like that, which didn't make sense to me. I'm like, no, that's not really it. But the second thing I thought of was like, wait a minute. Spectral shields. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't like that one bit. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to lose those shields, too. <laughs> yeah um my god yeah that's uh that's pretty good so and it has blade break 
for two defense. So yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, that's really good. Gives uh, Ninja some more uh, equipment to block with. Holy cow. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and the art's really rad. Uh, I have all the new legendaries. Extremely I think it has the sickest rad. art. Like the Alluvion Consola is like one of the best. Like, I, obviously that has really good legendary art, but oh man, that Tiger Stripe Shuko looks so dope. Very much so. That said, though, uh, looking through these new ninja cards, do you feel like any of the other ninjas got a buff? Like, do you oh. think we might see Kano a little bit stronger in CC now? Well, if you're referring to uh, Kano Ninja, then uh, that yeah, would be you know what I mean, Katsu. <laughs> yes, I do think that Katsu is definitely seeing a uh, a very nice uh, buff this this set. Yeah, I think Double Strike's an awesome card. I really yeah. like that card. It's good. It's good. Um, I, uh, I don't know how I feel about Rapid Reflex. I don't <laughs> think that sees constructed play for uh, for Katsu. No, I don't believe it's uh, it's terribly great. Um, ter- yeah, Rapid Re- Rapid Reflex definitely feels like a limited card. Uh, Katsu already kind of prefers to run like Ancestral Empowerment and uh, Razor Reflex. Unless you needed more red Razor Reflexes, I guess. Yeah. But, um, just more reds. Yeah, that is interesting. What I really like is take the tempo. Ah. That one's really sweet. Yeah. And what, it, um, I, what I particularly like about it is um, how easy it is to give it go again with like Snapdragons or with uh, a Reflex, right? Um, ra- uh, a Razor Reflex, that is, of course. Um, not Rapid Reflex, definitely worse. <laughs> but uh, it uh, it goes pretty well with, uh, you know, that new uh, Everfest card that they've been running. The uh, which card is that? that? Oh yeah, because you get to opt. That is when this hits, you get to banish the top card of your deck, and if it's an attack action card, you may play it until the end of your next turn. So what I'm thinking here, the lines are: you play this, uh, you play that card right after you your damage hits, right, and you make that quicken token, and you opt, and you add attack to whatever you did have go again. Then you play take the tempo. Using the quicken token, so it's got go again. Make it hit, and then you have that attack action you already set up on top opt. Then you get to banish it and play it until the end of your next turn. So you can play it immediately if you've got the go again, or you can wait until your next turn if uh, you don't have the go again. Or you want to yeah. save it for an even wider turn, like an even crazier setup. That's what I think is fascinating is the end of your next turn. Uh, That is not something you see a lot in fab. Uh, It's usually you banish it and you play it now, you know? Yes. So I, I, I like that design space. You see, you see it a lot uh, in magic lately. That's been like a design space. They're exploring quite a bit. And I like the fact that they're doing this for Ninja, Uh, especially with so many Ninja attacks seeming to now come out 
of the banished zone, just the way it works. So Herald yeah. of Judgment. Break tide. And, yeah, yeah, I immediately thought of Herald of Judgment. So that's going to be interesting in the uh, <laughs> the mirror match. You may just want to throw the Herald of Judgment in there randomly. Like to replace like a uh, like just one of the wor- like the, the worst uh, Heralds. I'm yeah. not sure which one that would be. But uh, it might be something worth considering. Uh, Double Strike makes me think a little bit about how the combat chain link works. Uh, maybe it's just a misunderstanding. But if a card uh, disappears from the chain link, does the chain link still exist? Great question. Um, <laughs> the answer is yes. Uh, and the oh, only good. reason I know this is because of the Heralds. Uh, ah. Which is, it's fascinating. Yeah, the chain link still exists. The card on it does not. But the rest Ooh. of the cards on the chain link still exist. That's good to know. See, little things like that. Luckily, I haven't made any gameplay errors yet, I don't think, regarding that issue. But uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, wow. Something else uh, that I actually want to walk back a little bit is rapid reflex it has some merit in that it blocks for three hmm that is interesting uh, you know now that you say that the three block in ninja is incredibly rare yes which is why also i'm reconsidering the blocks for three correct correct it's a reaction even so it makes me think this actually is kind of playable. Yeah, I don't think you put that art on an unplayable card. Like, yeah, yeah just right. Breaking some dude's nose, you know? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think we may have underestimated Razor Reflex a little bit just on purely text box and cost. Um, yeah. Sometimes the subtlety of three and two blocking matters a lot. Uh, you can ask any old Tim and Starvo player about that. <laughs> but oh they'll tell you about it sometimes it actually matters a whole lot um game deciding uh stuff but right there but yeah i think there there's uh there's definitely a word where katsu wants to play uh six red uh razor reflexes yeah that's that is interesting i'm gonna see some weird weird builds here um i don't know i it's so on the other heroes, I feel like the vast majority of their cards, I can't really rate yet. I do see a lot of Oldham players. Uh, you know, it's interesting, right? Like, I feel like the current Lexi build isn't controlly enough uh, to really benefit off of some of these ice cards. But maybe, maybe she becomes now more controlly with these ice cards. I've seen some really for lack of a better word, toxic Oldham builds. <laughs> with these new ice cards. I don't really play any ice heroes. I mean, I've like played Oldham and Blitz a little bit. Um, but I just, I don't really play in this design space. I don't know, Matt, do you have any, like, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about these new ice cards? Uh, as far as Oldham goes or the ice heroes in just general? All, like all of the 9,000 ice heroes. Wow. Um, well, I think that if you're talking about the higher rarity cards, like Channel the Bleak Expanse, for example, um, 
it says heroes can't reveal cards, search decks, or draw cards from effects. This does not seem like something that uh that Oldham wants to do very particularly, and then perhaps Alexi as well. Uh it unless you just absolutely are trying to like hose another deck that wants to do this more than you. Like Oldham's drawing cards from Crown. He's revealing cards to fuse. And yeah. He's searching his deck with like if you're playing Visage to search for uh channels, right? Channel like Frigids, like this is just not something you want to do. Um and if you're playing Lexi, you can't turn up your arsenal cards with uh this card out. And you can't access your second arsenal if you're playing uh New Horizon. So I think that this is just like kind of an Icelander card. And if yeah, very, very fringely sideboard playable, like one of those heroes that they just like desperately need something to stop a, a super strong deck that reveals searches or draws a lot of cards. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Uh, looking at the new Icelander, Icelander appears to be very slow, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and that's why cards like this seem to be so good because they uh, they punish your opponent for setting up or for having a good turn. And then especially Icelander can just drop this on your opponent at instant speed. You know, this is like a um, it's almost like Icelander's Arclight Sentinel in a weird way. Yeah. And I think I think it totally belongs in that design space. I will probably oh, yeah. end up eating feather. Are eating feathers on this and then That's, just getting Oldham just ruining my day. <laughs> no, not at all. I think you hit it around the nail right now because you made me think about the instant speed interaction with this card. And that's so devastating and like incredibly just it's so like it's it's incredible the amount of thought gone into like Icelander's play style with like these cards being able to be played at instant speed because just like this is like this is like it for magic parallels, right? Drawing the parallels between this and magic. It's like even mind sensor opposition agent type stuff, like out of your arsenal randomly. Like they're just about to play a, you know, say I go Sonata X's, uh, X's one, right? That's usually what you're doing. Yeah. Icelander response, channel the bleak expanse at instant speed. And you're like, what the actual, you know, like you can't, <laughs> you just hose the thing I just dumped my mana into for one man it's crazy got real bleak and oh no and then on top of that she uses her leftover two resources to hit you for three arcane with the waning moon oh so yeah have fun with that i am not looking forward to (laughs) stacks dot deck icelander have fun don't take your turn do not pass go do not collect hundred dollars take two arcane damage my turn okay <laughs> it's also it's so gross too because uh obviously in order to play channel the bleak expanse you're going to need to have to uh to pitch one card <laughs> but you only need to like you can set this up to save a single ice card in your hand because that channel ice check doesn't even happen until the end of your next Correct. turn yeah so it's just two bleak turns of um of you know heroes or worse just, yeah or worse it's an ice deck. It's all ice. Yeah. It's all I mean, ice. I mean, like, I don't really think all the time. Yes. On ice TV. I think 80% of this deck 
at least is going to be ice cards. It's also so okay. So for those of you at home that don't know this, I have uh, been playing a lot of Briar lately. And oh, this card just ruins all of the fun things Briar does at once. Um, you can't reveal anything to fuse with Briar. You can't draw cards, which is a huge part of Briar's yeah. game plan. And doing that, do any of that for two turns. Like cracked, dude. To say as the young kids would to say it, you know? Yeah. Hypothermia in response to like somebody about to play an attack with Mavri and Sky. <laughs> you know? Oh. Or your 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 lightning, your tokens trying to pop. You know, you're like you're a quicken or your embodiment. You're like instant speed hypothermia. Oops. Yeah, right. Did I do that? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the one that we haven't seen, actually, and we haven't talked about because it got spoiled between episodes is uh, Insidious Chill. And this one is the Lexi card. The Lexi Insidious wanted a card. This is the Lexi card. The uh, all right here. Let me bring this one up real quick to remind myself. All right. Insidious chill ice action aura blue three red cost. It is two defense. Uh, all right. So insidious chill enters the arena with three frost counters on it. When it has no frost counters on it, destroy it. Whenever you ice fuse, remove a frost counter from insidious chill. If you do target hero discards a card unless they pay RR. So this is basically a um, Amy little a ice. A reusable. triple frost fang? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> this, this is incredibly like t- devastating, man. If Lexi jams one of these and she has like a three like chilling ice vein blizzard bolt turn, it's like over, man. It's so, so bad. You know, like I don't <laughs> see old him doing this that much, to be honest, but um Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's a bit rough. It could be. Yeah. I just I it's so this seems so bad, right? No, not like a bad card. but It seems so bad to play against. This reminds me of if you've been playing magic for any length of time like you and I have, you remember the Eldrazi winter. Yeah. Oh, man. Are we are we headed towards ice summer? Is this a thing? I think so, man. Like it's not the thing is, it's so funny that um that the winter has the connotation of like slowing down hibernation, you know, things getting cold and Eldrazi winter is anything <laughs> but that. I mean, you're getting face slammed by freaking reality smashers, like turn two, two, yeah. like turn three, two, five, fives with haste. You can't do anything unless you want to discard cards. <laughs> this time we're talking about summer and we're like slowing the game down to a, grindy halt it's so great it's uh it's it's funny it's it's i i like it i like the dichotomy between the two it works icelander summer you know i hope it doesn't work (laughs) 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 they made sure it was gonna work (laughs) um there's, there's a lot to be said about the rest of these ice cards but a lot of it involves very painful things to talk about as rune blade players um frostbites and uh, arcane damage but uh yeah and we've seen a lot of these already a lot of these ice cards um as we got that little taste in the beginning um but draconic cards we uh i believe you said it in the last episode 
um, there's a bit of a pattern between all the draconic cards that are out, the generic draconic cards, that is, of course. Yeah, that there is. They are all red. They are yeah. not yellow. They are not blue. They are only red. <laughs> yeah, they only pitch for red. And, uh, you know, that might sound terrible, but uh, draconic heroes, they don't need pitch where they're going. Just burning flame and anger. Burn, burn, burn uh, straight to the bottom of the power rankings as they are destroyed by by frostbite tokens. Frostbites, yeah. I I don't know. Toxic, real quick. Those frostbites. I, I, you know, I hate to just like come out and say this, man. Like these cards seem so unfun to play against. I just hope these decks suck. Like (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you just want to go fast and, uh, you know, win games, but that's uh, not going to be allowed. No, uh, no fastness. Not even wonder. But, you know, sometimes uh, you'll have a couple turns with no frostbites, hopefully. Or if you've got a thaw in your graveyard, when you start your turn, you can uh, help fix some of those problems. Um, And if... uh, you're having additional troubles with your resource uh, resource costs. Flamescale Furnace is there for you as a draconic Flame hero. Flamescale Furnace is there for you. Um, and uh, that one's a real doozy, if you ask me. I think this is definitely going to be the tunic for our two new draconic heroes. You know, I'm I'm still... I'm still on the fence with this card, if I'm being honest. Really? I I don't know. I don't know if it's the card. It just so to me, right? It does include the 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 card that you have pitched in and of itself, right? Which is great. Um but it's so weird. So, like, obviously, it costs a resource to use, uh, and then you can gain that resource that you just pitched for it. So, obviously, you have to have at least one red card pitched in there, but you also would have had to have played a red card. Yeah. Um. So, whatever, like, whatever amount you end up gaining. So, because this is going to, it's complicated. But basically, this is always going to be activated for your arsenal, your last card in hand. And I mean, I guess since you get to use it once per turn, I don't know. I'm still on the fence with this card. It's, it'll probably end up being significantly better than I think it is. But the um, the mana generation seems awkward to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely may not seem intuitive for sure to begin with. I think Jomai may make the best use of it. But to be honest, it it generates mana, right? It does net you mana. And when you block with it, it's not destroyed. And I think that's just one of the more important things. It'll block for two and it'll be mana advantageous during brief moments in the game, which is, I think, about as much as you can ask for from a tunic anyways. And a tunic, which in, in a pinch, if you have to block something so you don't lose your entire turn or you lose momentum, you're not stuck without your resource generating equipment right and it only blocks for one the furnace will block for two it has temper and it'll stick around after it blocks and continue to generate that resource for you if you need it 
I just don't. Yeah, think that makes sense. I think I think the value on it is obviously not as good as just one free resource. No, no conditions. No, you know, nothing else sta- stapled to it. Of course, it's not as good as that. But I think that defense value temper makes up for that difference. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, the temper value is, yeah, okay. I see where you're coming from. That yeah. makes sense to me. And, you know, I mean, maybe I'm a bit optimistic. And I'm not, you know, trying to, I'm not like very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, starry-eyed from all of these legendaries, right? Don't get me wrong. I'd see like a lot of them as being like, as far as the class legendaries we've seen so far, the class legendaries we've seen so far are very uh, conditional right yeah um but this one i feels is a staple this is the chess piece for draconic hero i don't really yeah, feel I like can you, that. you can use another one yeah, unless you already have a tunic and that's what you got go I for it i think this is always better than <clears throat> tunic in jermai yes um and just yeah and i think in Faye as well um there's an argument to be made, though, for Faye that you could probably use Tunic and might be better for the most part. Um, but I don't think you would be bad using Flame Skill Furnace either. You'll be a little tankier, too, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the Furnace doesn't make a total big difference when you were facing down Frostbites, but it could help. Um, you know, it's uh, you're going to end up having to spend a bunch of cards anyways to play and break from some frostbites. So whether you gain a lot of resources for pitching a card after pitching a bunch of other cards, uh, I don't know how helpful that'll be, but it, it, it'll help a little bit for sure. in the, the ice matchups. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I can, you know, now that I think about it, like obviously in Ninja, you're either going to be running tunic or vest of the first fist. And I think this is better than either of those without a doubt. Yeah. Um, I definitely think this is better. I think Tunic is better in in Prism. I I mean, obviously, like you wouldn't be able to run this, but theoretically, if you did have another Illusionist Mana Source, like just to be able to play Instance is what you want to do a lot of the time with Prism. So this is better. Like this is a great option because you don't really have a lot of Instance with your Mize build. Yeah. I don't know. That is interesting. Well, our, our legendary got spoiled. I people are our. I'm sorry, our fabled legends, fables. Well, we there's one less legendary we didn't talk about, by the way. Oh yeah, uh, the, the, there's there's not much one to, that no one talked about. Yeah, uh, there's not much to talk about. Um, Coronet Peak, it is in ah. ice equipment, and uh, has blade break blocks for two. Sounds good so far, on paper. Uh, and then it has action, three cost. Here is card to card unless they pay one. Yeah, Period. I, I. This is an awkward card. Um, it's an action without go again that forces your opponent to discard. Uh, it's really weird. Well, I wouldn't say forces. If they have resource left open, then they're just going to pay for it. That's true. But then again, you wouldn't um, I mean, activate it. But you know, I don't know. I don't know, against, you, so. uh, I don't know what I don't know what you would want to do. Yeah, I don't know. It's draconic. Draconic Heroes, it's neutral, I think. 
I don't know. It's, it's a weird legendary. Like, obviously, they tested this and they were like, it needs to be legendary. Absolutely. It's way too powerful. But I um, to me, it seems kind of clunky. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it actually needs to be legendary. I feel like it just kind of like it. it's the the role that it it had to fill, not that the role it deserved to fill. You know what I mean? Like it probably deserved to fill a mythic role, but like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it easily could have been a mega. It, it just doesn't seem all that strong, right? I don't, yeah. I feel like so many people have taken this uh, stance on this card. I don't think that many people can be, like, missing something. You know what I mean? Like, I've heard all the conversations, like, about Blink and doing it more than once. Okay. That seems like a waste of resources, like a total waste. Like you just spend three cards, all of which are nine pitch. You spend nine pitch, three cards to tell your opponent to pitch a single card. I guess the question is if um if Icelander is gonna be playing on your opponent's turn most of the time, that action point isn't that terrible, is it? No, not necessarily. And right, that's the idea. I think for sure. This will see some amount of play in Icelander. Some amount. Uh, I just don't know how much better it is than just running the new generic. Or a Skullcap, really. Like, I don't know. Uh, you can you spend your turn to deal two arcane damage to them with your staff instead of trying to do this. Right? Yeah. This is equi- This is the equivalent of, like, making them pitch a card during their turn during your turn uh to stop the cracker nathan vein draw right and that doesn't seem like that great of a card either in most cases so mm, i don't really know yeah i'm not not big on it it's very uh very medium i'm very wait and see on this card i think I'm not willing to say that it's not like, I think there could be something that I'm missing with it. I think there's a, a very, there is a chance that I'm not seeing certain lines that just need to be played out once all the cards are released. So I don't know. It's weird. Certainly. But, um, you know, back to the draconic fabled that we were just about to dive into. This card is uh, quite the looker, if I do say so myself. Yeah, uh, so as we've established, uh, aside from like some commons that are class-specific, basically this makes your Draconic cards free. Uh, you do have to pitch it for something. Um, let's say you pitch it for... It's, it's just so weird, right? You pitch it for something right off the bat. Uh, you gain that one resource and then uh from there uh if you still have a card in your arsenal or the other two cards in your hand everything else is essentially free uh from here on out which is disgusting it uh it seems very uh what's the word i'm looking for it seems necessary in a weird way yeah i um it's funny there's a conversation to be had about fables and about their uh their strengths and whether they ought to be a lower rarity so that the their playability doesn't factor into their price. 
Um, yeah. Their scarcity, I mean. And the price is, of course, like just dependent, right? But their scarcity is really what it is. Um, if something ends up being like super playable, like library, right? It wouldn't help it if it was scarce. Right. Yeah, like I feel if, like if, if I have Nvidia is running into that problem. Right. Well, that's that I think that's more of a Winmore issue, right? Like I think people are just getting used to having the Winmore effect like there, right? I have a video definitely feels like a Winmore effect. But it doesn't like totally change games. It doesn't totally change the landscape of a game. Right? I don't think. Yeah. Right. It definitely helps some matchups and some turns, but it doesn't change an entire game uh library if that hits the table turn one that essential that game is essentially over yeah absolutely and i i like it 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 almost can't be argued like unless you're playing it's brute and he goes immediately pitches two yellows and destroys it right and then somehow he manages to find a win in the game right but um i i just think you know there was actually um a local uh team and some of our friends made a video discussing the all the fabled uh team kitchen fabled funny enough of the name um they are uh they did a youtube video discussing blood of Chikai and the rest of the fabled lineup and kind of tiered them in like it did like a tier list right where like the bottom essentially was like basically a cracked bobble the next level was like playable. The next one was like, this is very good and gives a reasonable advantage in your, and gives a, some kind of advantage in your deck. And then the top level was like, should be a legendary because it needs to be more accessible of how playable it is. And I think they rated that the blood of Kai was, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the video in front of me, but, I believe the Blood of Cry was rated somewhere around the level of like, this is very powerful, but not so much powerful that it's like legendary tier, right? Yeah. Um, it does feel like Blood of Cry just is super, like, run, runs super smoothly in every Draconic deck, like Dromai or Fae. Like, it's just always going to be strong. But I think it's worse in, in Dromai because most of her stuff is just going to be activating the ally ability to attack and it's not really going to reduce the costs of most 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 of her cards right i mean it does reduce the costs of her invocations but not reducing the costs of her ally attacks is the big one yeah that makes sense um and i think for Faye is the one that it really he's the one i feel like is enabled the most by it um but I don't know. It, it's it it is a good point to be made though. Like, should something that's so playable be so scarce? But that's yet to be seen. Like, uprising is not even out yet. And uh, once uh, people start opening rainbow foils and cold foils left and right, like you know, rainbow foil cold, rainbow foil fables are supposedly supposed to be more uh, easier to get than the cold foils this time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're, you do make a good point in that there's going to be multiple levels of distribution for these fables based on, I don't know, it's just the, uh, like, I'm, I've seen cold foils, I've seen rainbow foils. There could even theoretically be a, uh, well, what are we calling them now? There's a new word for it, a Marvel treatment for these. Well, I, that, I doubt that, but... 
I mean, it could just be super ultra rare. <laughs> it could be where like nobody opens it in like a year. I mean, that would be insane, right? <laughs> yeah. Imagine a marveled fable. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a thing. I mean, we might see it. You never know. Yeah, you, you know what? You're right. You never know. It may it may come to fruition one day. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems definitely like incredibly good. I feel like it's like uh Arknight level, Arknight chart level, like that's reasonable. You know, maybe a little bit better. But like, you know, if I owned one of these, I'd definitely be playing it in my uh Dromai or Fade deck. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I had it, I'd play it for sure. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, that's isn't that how most fables are, right? If you have them, you play them. Yeah, really the mean, only one I see any debate over is like uh, <laughs> Corsum and like the generic one, generic ones. You know, you never play Corsum. Well, that could change. That could change, could change. Uh, if they errata it. Uh, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you saw that very lengthy uh, conversation. Uh, but yeah, you know, I don't know. It's uh, it's not bad. I think it's like uh, I think it's like uh, like third in the tiered of like the strength of all the fables. Yeah. I so it's that. pretty impressive to be honest. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like a free extra card, right? Um if you end up pitching this to play another card, then you have a maximum of 3 cards in hand or 2 in 1 arsenal. Uh so traditionally you would have to pitch one of those to play the other one. So it, it, it ends up being one or two free cards, uh, depending on how much you have to pitch for, which I guess isn't that bad considering there's only one. So it's like drawing an extra card once on one turn. It's weird. Um, yeah. I don't know. It is weird. Hopefully uh, we'll get to see it in action this weekend at the pre-release on Saturday. Oh, yeah. That I'm super excited about. And I think before uh, I think what we should do is. Uh, play with those new heroes before we get into them, you know what I mean? And these cards, yeah, that would be cool. I would love to, I'd love to do that, actually. Yeah, so I think that I think that is what we will do is we will hold back on Jeremiah Faye Fi. I really need to figure that one out. And then uh, and the new Icelander until we have sat down and played with them. This has been a hell of a thorough episode here. Matt, do you have any final thoughts before you touch any of these cards in person? Um, what do you think your general impression is going to be? They reprinted Cracked Bobble. <laughs> do you think i wish they would do it with slightly different art for each set that'd be kind of cool no yeah right that'd be that would be really cool actually that's actually a really cool idea but um no uh the set looks great i mean the i mean even just the generics like as far as like expanding the rest of the game like they did a really good job of that like they really are switching up they they are really testing not testing the limits but they're really uh pushing new uh card tech and new uh card design space into the already existing uh hero class space while also you know investing some new uh some new card abilities and uh new card effects into the new heroes draconic and uh 
you know, Icelander talent and stuff. So it, it looks good, you know. Um, I think the dragons are pretty cool. It's a nice touch for the nice variety of dragons. Um, we didn't get to expand on much of those, but, you know, for the most part, they are very similar to their majestic counterparts with varying uh, costs and abilities. Definitely not as strong as they are, but there's a, there's quite a handful of them, about 12, I think, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, there are 12 dragons, but it's important to remember that they aren't dragons. Yeah, they're uh, they are illusions of dragons oh, made of ash yes. true, true, and that true. these dragons aren't real. Oh, they're not real. I did see somebody complaining in the lore where they're like, what? I supposed to believe that above what above Solana? There was a dragon this whole time. <laughs> it's like, no, it was well, just I mean, ash. it was an illusion of the dragon. What if it's an illusion of the dragon that is actually there? Whoa. Or an uh, illusion of an illusion. It's an illusion of an illusion uh, in the House of Mirrors. So I, w- <laughs> I will say with this set, I think I am going to do everything in my power to not force uh, Jermai in my sealed pool. I well, let me know um, how that one goes. I've played too much illusionist. <laughs> and that's how I know I'm going to open like ghostly touch and four Marvel dragons. That's just by declaring I'm not going to play it no matter what. Just putting that's that out. Good way to the world. It's a good strategy to get those things. Right. Absolutely. Um, all right. So that does it for the pitch stack hotel number episode 14 real episode 13. But don't uh, don't let them know we said that. Uh, so, so episode 13 then, right? It is, but we can't <laughs> let them know that in the hotel industry. I don't yes. know why. Why do they stick to this? Elevators are weird. It's late. Um, <laughs> yeah. So right on. I guess I, I guess we'll uh, see y'all next week. See ya.